You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yes, we are getting some perspective on the state of Arizona. The governor giving in his next state of the state speech. Diving into it right now. The lead. Yeah, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey ushered in a new legislative session yesterday with his annual State of the State address. In the approximately hour-long speech, the Republican governor outlined accomplishments from his tenure and laid out priorities for the upcoming session. Among the highlights, the governor talked about the economy and also talked a lot about taxes. No new taxes. There are also discussions regarding veterans, regulation, and education. I've got Barry Markson in with me today and all week long as Bruce St. James is off. Barry, where do you want to start on all of this? I, I think we have to start with uh, the governor's uh, George Bush impression. That was, uh, that was no pretty... new taxes. That was pretty impressive. All, all we forgot was... Read my lips. That's right. There we go. All right. All right. Read my lips. No new taxes. Uh, this has never been a governor that we worried about no, uh, new taxes right. with. And exactly. It, it generally, it's how much are we going to cut. So uh, it was a good state of the uh, state. Of the state. It was um, a little over an hour. I think it was his longest one he's ever done. Really a lot of high-level policy prescriptions for the state. Uh, look, he's the governor has taken us from... Um, I don't say bankruptcy, but he's taken us from a very bad place financially. We were in debt. We had, I mean, think about this. The legislature had sold off some buildings. We were doing all sorts of things, trying to fudge the numbers just to get the, the, budget balance every year. And now here we are. We've got a billion-dollar rainy day fund. We have a surplus again this year in tax dollars expected. We're in a much better place, and the governor's looking at bigger issues now. Yeah, a big portion of the address yesterday was focusing on the dollars and cents. Why? Because the dollars and cents mean so much to all of us as Arizonans. This is where we got into trouble years ago during the recession, right? We talk about education and education funding, and later in the show, we're going to talk about how the Invest in Ed initiative is coming back. Um, The reason why they have that is because, well, you know what? We dove into that education fund back in 08, 09, never replenished it because the economy wasn't doing well, because we didn't have that rainy day fund. And that is how the dollars and cents can really impact Arizonans. So yesterday, the governor in his hour-long State of the State address had this to say about money, about the economy, and again, that three-letter word, tax. Let me reiterate what I've said in five prior State of the State speeches and two inaugural addresses. No new taxes. Not this session, not next session, not here in this chamber, not at the ballot box, not on my watch. All right. So the interesting thing there, uh, obviously, you don't expect Doug Ducey to propose new taxes. But when he says not on the ballot box, and we are going to talk about this later in the show, uh, Pamela, but there's already going to be another bill, another referendum on the box to raise taxes on the rich. We're going to talk about that. The governor basically saying, yeah, I'm going to fight against that, too. Yeah, but you know what? It's not entirely true that we haven't had new taxes, not, you know, never on his watch, because all you've got to do is look at that infamous safety fee that went into place where, you know, it was imposed on vehicle registration. Right. It's called a fee, right? Um, But it's not a user fee. In reality, it it goes to pay for cops. It goes to pay for public safety. It goes to pay for general government programs. So by any other name, that would be a tax. So no new taxes, not now, not ever, not on my watch. Well, that's not entirely true. 
when it comes to taxing and taxing and taxing, yeah, you know what? He's got a point. This is not a governor who's in favor of taxing people, but it has happened. Let, let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah, no, there, there's no question. It, it's uh, you're right. He he did that. It's been that. I think that's been rescinded now. It's going to be over the next couple of years. Or taking that fee or tax away from it. But the government, the governor talked about some other things too. He's gotten rid of a lot of regulations. And in fact, right before the speech, he said that he rescinded 23 old executive orders. I like that. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's also said that any time any new regulation, you got to cut three existing ones to put a new one in place. I like it. I, I like it because well, there there are a ton of regulations, a lot of which I don't believe we need in the state. One of the big things that the governor did last year that Bruce and I both took our, our hats off to the governor was like the, the licensing regulations, right? If you're a hairdresser in California, right. you'd have to come to, to Arizona and get your, your beautician license or whatever they call it in Arizona. Well, no, those things should transfer. You shouldn't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get a new licensing fee because of of this regulation. So there are definitely some good regulations to get rid of. When it comes down to money, though, I mean, yesterday, Barry, you and I talked about one aspect of the speech that we both were intrigued to see what the governor would do with, and that's income taxes. Because late last week, the governor had this to say regarding Arizona state income taxes. I look uh, to tax reform to to the real people in the state of Arizona. It's why I like to focus or see where the opportunities are on income tax. This is how you affect real people in a state. And stay tuned to state of the state to see how we're going to do that. Okay, so I did stay tuned to the state of the state (laughs) to see how you're going to do that. And frankly, as I will give the governor props on a lot of what he said, I also am going to call him on it because I was disappointed in what came out of the income tax conversation. The way I heard the governor talk about it last week made it sound like, Barry, you and I, the real people, would be impacted by what he was going to do with income taxes. Again, this is what he said last week. We're competing against Nevada, who has zero income tax. We're competing against Texas and Florida, who have zero income tax. True, 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 true. So what did he do about income taxes yesterday or say he was going to do? in his State of the State speech? Our vets have already earned their benefits, put their lives on the line. The government shouldn't be taxing their service to country. It should be honoring their service to country. Our budget does this by eliminating all state income taxes on our veterans' military pensions once and for all. Not mad that he did that. Okay, I'm not mad at at that declaration. Okay, great. Do we tax other people's pensions? And well, do we? Do we do we tax state employees' pensions? Do we tax other people's pensions? What I'm getting at is he talked about the real people, and of course, veterans are real people. But I was expecting something much larger, right? Yeah, I was expecting something that was going to impact. All Arizonans. This got really narrow, and I feel like he didn't pay off 
all the hype that he created with what he said last week. Yeah, no, I, I look, I agree with that. The governor understands the financial ramifications around the state, and, and he's what he's trying to do is is got to balance the budget, obviously legally, but he's also he's got that rainy day fund. I think he wants to add to that, but he wants to be careful not to spend a lot more, so that when there is a downturn, we're not caught like we were last time. But this kind of thing, I got to say, and this I, I love veterans. We should do whatever we can for the veterans, but I don't. This this kind of thing bothers me. It's a, it's a forty five million dollar hit to state revenue. That's how much the tax on veterans pensions is. And if and if we're not treating veterans the same way as we're treating other people, then I'm I, why are we taxing everybody else's pension? Are we taxing fired uh, a fire department employees pensions? Are we taxing police officers pensions? Why are they taxed and not? veterans. That, that's my point. Veterans should get their benefits. Absolutely. They have the VA. They should get whatever pension they, they deserve. But why are we now saying they don't have to pay taxes on that money? It, it's, I'm not trying to slight veterans, but are we saying that other people who work their entire lives and have their pension, why are they paying taxes and the veterans aren't? This is where it comes down to, again, the dollars in the sense. We can have these conversations because Arizona's in a good place. We're in a good place right now. And I think that's one reason why it was his longest state of the state address, because there were a lot of really positive things to talk about. And believe me, politicians love to get up at the podium and talk about positive things. If that wasn't enough for alliteration for you. <laughs> um, so I think there was a lot of really great things that came out of it. And, and another positive aspect that came out of the, the governor's state of the state speech yesterday, of which we're going to dive into later in the program, was he talked about mental health. And he talked about insurance covering mental health. Yeah. And I think that is a huge positive step forward and one that we're going to dive into deeper around 1030 here in the program. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, Coming up next, man, what's more important, your privacy or catching bad guys? We've got a, a national and global story on this. And then we've got one that's taking place just right in our own backyard. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Pamela Hughes and Barry Markson all week long as Bruce St. James is off. And Barry, I'm I'm a pretty big privacy advocate. I'm concerned about what's happening with technology and protecting my privacy. And a lot of the pushback I get from people is, well, I've got nothing to hide. If you've got nothing to hide, then what are you so concerned about? I've got nothing to hide, but I also know that these profiles and so much data is being mined on each and every one of us. It's the law of unintended consequences. You have no idea where this information could and I believe will eventually lead. That being said, there are some big news stories out there when it comes to privacy that has me questioning whether or not my position on that is correct. We're getting down to Florida in Pensacola, where we had a terrorist um, go and and shoot a bunch of people, guy from Saudi Arabia. We've kicked out some 20 other Saudi nationals because of it. And Bill Barr, the attorney general, wants Apple to unlock the shooter's iPhones to give them more information as to who was involved in all of this. And Apple, well... They can't. Barr is pressing Apple for a way to access two badly damaged iPhones used by the Pensacola killer who killed those three sailors, including one the suspect intentionally shot a bullet into. Authorities hope to find information on sites he visited and people he may have contacted prior to the terror attack. 
This is this is an ongoing story with Apple. Apple's privacy uh, technology is so good, they set it up where they can't unlock your phone. It doesn't work that way. And by the way, if you just start putting in random six number uh, codes to try to unlock it, because there's software that'll do that, it just erases the phone it. after certain numbers. They can't just guess. So Bill Barr, the attorney general, came out and, and said, kind of called out Apple publicly and said, we want you to help us do this. This is a terrorist thing. Apple responded by saying, we have been helping you. We've been helping you tirelessly to go through that. We responded to every request within a couple of hours. Um, we've gone down to, your, to the FBI office. We've given you gigabytes, many gigabytes of information. Um, we've given you all, all we have. But the way the iPhone is set up, they don't save your information. And they don't, at least this is what Apple says, they don't have a way to unlock a phone that's locked. No, it's encrypted. And so instead of serv- storing it on a server, it's all on your phone. Right. Okay. So unlike other phone companies, Apple can't do it. So, and that's why I have an Apple. Right. Because again, I am into privacy and concerned about my own privacy and how that'll be used against me. But I know that the argument that people are making is, well, if there was an imminent terror attack, would you not want tech companies to step in and help the FBI and the Justice Department get as much information as possible to save American lives? And that's where you give a moment of pause. And I can see that that conversation taking place and wanting to save lives. But it's also on the 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 larger scale of how does this impact everyday people on an everyday basis yeah it's it's an interesting thing if you think about it, it, it it's not just that it's not just that Apple doesn't want to provide the information. I think we all look at this and say, help the government find terrorists, right? Like, that's a great thing. Uh, but this happened several years ago. Back in 2016, Apple refused to unlock an iPhone. Yeah, in yeah. San Bernardino. And and um, and the court, they even got a court order ordering Apple to create a backdoor. Back door. And Apple said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We, we can't and we're not going to do it. Uh, but it's for customers, what a great thing. So we go from Apple and Florida and terrorist attack to right here in our own backyard. And this story involves Chandler Police, Waymo, and Google. There was a hit and run accident that happened in April of last year in Chandler. And a guy went to the hospital with critical injuries. Bad story. And the police were trying to figure out who hit this guy? Who put him put him in the hospital and had him fighting for his life? All they knew that it was like a black jeep, okay? They interviewed witnesses Nothing really turned up. You had a detective that got pretty creative. Not only did they go around to the different businesses and get the surveillance footage that you would expect businesses to have, because if you walk down the street, there's just kind of that idea that there's a camera on you at some point in time. That footage didn't turn up anything. So a detective goes, hmm, you know what? What else do we have in the East Valley? Oh, yeah, we have Waymo. The (laughs) self-driving cars are everywhere. I live in the East Valley, and you see them all the time. Well, what are they doing? They're constantly recording everything around them. He wrote a warrant to get information from Waymo at a particular location. There were like boundaries as to where they wanted information from every Waymo car within this boundary at this time. Wrote the warrant. Judge signed off on it. Waymo then turned over that information. They did find out that there was a, they found the black Jeep, but it wasn't the right angle, so they couldn't get a license plate off of it. Yeah. So, again, kind of a cold, dead end. That same detective got a little more creative and wrote a warrant to Google. And in a nutshell, trying to make it simple, you're talking about like, you know, geofencing location. Asked that every Google account that was on in that boundary at that time be turned over to Chandler Police. 
so that they could find out potentially who this person was. Google didn't say it was Barry Markson who was in this location, but they gave you an identifying number. Police went through that and found a handful of people that could be the suspect. Google changed the names, gave the names to the police. They couldn't find the person. The nutshell of all of this, folks, is that you just being in this area at a particular time are susceptible to being caught up in this dragnet of trying to find an everyday criminal and you yeah. didn't even know it. Yeah. Well, to me, what I'm hearing is if you want to maintain some level of privacy with your technology, get an iPhone. Otherwise, Google's going to turn everything over to the police. <laughs> I mean, they're so... And maybe that's huh. a good thing. Maybe we want that. But, but I mean, like when, at, at the a, end of the day, what's more important, catching criminals or your privacy? It's a balance, I think. Give us a call in the open mic line. Answer that for us. What's more important, catching criminals or your privacy? 602-200-2733. 602-200-2733. It's our open mic line brought to you by Carol Royce with Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Should rich Arizonans have to pay more in taxes to help pay for education in our state? Why, you might get to vote on that next here on KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, Barry Markson helped me hold it down here today. And we're going to get some perspective on education in the state of Arizona. Obviously, it was a cornerstone piece of the governor's State of the State address yesterday, where he touted his 20 by 20 uh, tax, or not tax, but increase for teachers' pay. And Education in the state of Arizona and the lack of funding for it is a hot button topic. We know that Arizona routinely falls at the back of the class when it comes to class size, when it comes to the output of our students, and when it comes to teacher salary, hence the 20 by 2020. But now, for a second time, you've got a group of individuals, let's call them Invest in Ed, that want to get a ballot initiative on the ballot in November that has us, yes, us, the taxpayers, voting as to whether or not we want to tax the rich to fund education. Yeah, and this is very similar to what that was, was going to be on the ballot uh, two years ago in mm-hmm. 2018. They want to uh, tax people if you make over $250,000 a year as a single person or, or $500,000 as a married person. This year they want to add 3.5%, and they're they're changing the way it's set up so it doesn't get stricken by the Supreme Court again. It's one issue, and it's they're calling it a tax surcharge, so they're not going to have to deal with how much has it raised your own taxes, things like that, the percentages that got them in trouble last time. They're just saying they're going to charge a 3.5% surcharge on people who make over those dollar amounts, and all that money will go towards education. They expect it will raise, based on numbers from last time, last year apparently, uh, $940 million, almost a billion dollars every single year for education. Half of that will go to um, K-12 teacher and classroom support staff salaries. 25% will go to uh, schools for student support services staff. 10% will go to teacher mentoring and retention programs, things like that. You know, when you talk, Barry, about $940 million every year that we could have earmarked going right to education. And of that $940 million, half of it would go to teacher and support staff salaries. You may think that I somebody who is a strong proponent of education, especially here in the state of Arizona, would be in favor of this Invest in Ed initiative. And you know what? I'm not. I wasn't two years ago when they tried to do this, and I'm not right now. And here's the reason why. 
I'm not of the mindset that you should just penalize the rich for being rich, that you should penalize prosperity, that you should penalize somebody because they make more. I think that education benefits us all in this state, and therefore we all should be responsible for carrying yeah. our each individual load. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Pamela, but but here's the issue. And, and you know, the, the folks who are rich or business owners, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce almost certainly will oppose this again. They've already kind of indicated they will. And and it's easy to say, well, what are you doing? I mean, I, you get why they're doing it for the rich, right? It's not going to affect that many people. That's it's, how you get the signatures. Most people, right. They get the Everyone's signatures like, yeah, 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 and, let them pay. Let and, them pay. And not the votes, me. right. We get all this extra money for education. And for most people, it won't cost them anything. What you have to be afraid of, though, is what business owners from California and other states aren't going to move here now because their taxes are so high. Uh, what what law, What job losses are we going to have because of that? But, here, but here's to me. We still have low income taxes. Yeah. I mean, the state overall well, still has a very low income tax. Overall, they do. But for the people who are the business owner who are making that money, you're now taking the tax rate for them from four and a half percent to eight percent. It actually makes us one of the higher tax states in the, in, in the point, country. Okay. But here's here's my here's the reason I think this is an issue. It, this could have been stopped um, by the governor and by the legislature for years. The fact is, we've underfunded education mm-hmm. in the state forever, and as a result, you now have the teachers' union, which is feeling a little more powerful, and the people. And we saw this two years ago with Red for Ed. The people saying enough. We want to fund education. This is a priority in our state. And what we have instead is a government, again, for years now, for decades, that has not made this a priority. Instead, every year it's cut taxes. This is why when the governor say I'm going to cut taxes for veterans or cut taxes for this, that's $45 million we now don't have for education. Instead of cutting taxes over and over again, why don't we say, okay, we have low taxes. We're a low tax state. Our economy is growing. We've got businesses gro- coming here. Let's Let's keep the tax money we have and put that money into education. Let's make that a standard. And the government, the government hasn't done it. And, and why and- haven't they done it? Because who's going to win on raising taxes? Where's the accountability been on this, Barry? Believe me, you are preaching to the choir with me to everything that you've just said. On the flip side of it there, let me be the contrarian for a moment here. Where's the accountability been? You said for years our state legislature has not put back the money that they took for education. They had a responsibility to do that. But they didn't. And I agree with you on that. But whose hand has been held to the fire over that? Nobody's hand has been held to the fire. Well, no, they have been. If you look back two years ago with Red for Red, that's if you want to wonder if you're wondering why Governor Ducey and the Republican-led legislature agreed to the, the twenty by twenty, that's because their hand was being held to the fire. They were looking at polls that showed that voters in Arizona were going to vote these people out of office. They were no longer going to accept underpaying teachers as much as we were, and that's what made the change. It wasn't some sudden revelation that all these Republicans had that said, "Oh my goodness, we have to fund this more." They saw the political light and did it. And now they've had meetings about this. They're meeting about this all the time. What do we do? They knew this was coming. And they're still not proposing more money for education because they think they could knock this ballot measure down. And the ballot measure is bad. It should, this is not but how you, we should be funding agreed. education. But, but, I mean, if everything that you say is true, where, you know what, the state legislature, you know, came to the table in 2020, the reason why they came to the table is because educators held their hand to the fire. I don't think constituents overall <laughs> did. And where are we now? 
amount. We've got a billion dollars in a rainy day fund. And you still have those same legislators who are not allocating that money towards education. And I'm not talking about reoccurring allocations that we may not be able to replenish that money year over year. I'm talking about like a one-stop allotment. There, I don't think there is the stomach in the state legislature for it. And this is where you get, you get desperation from people who are impacted like the AEA and like the Red Fred. I now know it's invested yeah. in and so on and so forth that are trying to do something that I feel is not fair to everybody in the state of Arizona. But that's what happens when your lawmakers don't lead. do their jobs. The leaders are supposed to lead. And if they had done that, we wouldn't be faced with this referendum. Now. I can agree with you on that. One hundred percent. Man, this one will have your head spinning. It is the biggest cheating scandal in baseball since steroids. But you know what? Culprits got away with it. There's some accountability that's being taken. But is it misdirected? We're talking about cheating. Coming up next here on KTIR. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, Pamela Hughes and Barry Markson helping me here today and all week long as Bruce St. James is off. We also have super producer Stevie Z in studio with us right now because these are these are my sports guys and they're super into baseball. And we've got one of the biggest sporting scandals that have taken place in baseball since the whole steroid scandal. If you haven't been following it, here is what the Astros have been accused of doing. A camera in center field, an illicit feed in a monitor next to the dugout, uh, decoding of not just the signs themselves, but the sequences that teams use to indicate now which signs actually the pitcher should watch. And then banging on a trash can with a baseball bat or a Theragun, which is a massage tool that's used in clubhouses, to relay to the player at the plate in real time what pitch is coming. Okay, and it worked. They won the World Series, right? So at that point, it's one of those things where is the risk worth the reward, Steve? Well, what's interesting, to put this in context, so the Houston Astros... Uh, won the World Series in 2017. This is when the alleged cheating happened, which right. 2017. They go on and they beat the Los Angeles Dodgers, which was great for all of us here in Arizona because we don't like the Dodgers. Um, and the guy who was solely responsible for this, it, the investigation found, his name is Alex Cora. At the time, he was a backup, basically the bench coach, the second coach on the Astros. He did it in 2017 with the Astros, and then he did it again in 2018 with his new team, the Boston Red Sox who also won the World Series in 2018, also against the Dodgers. Now the uh, Astros GM and coach now have both been fired. They were suspended by baseball and then fired by the Astros. So the question is, does the punishment fit the crime? And this is, I think, as you uh, said earlier, the biggest scandal, cheating scandal in baseball since the steroid era. And what baseball is trying to do is make sure that it doesn't last as long as. So, Barry, yeah, I mean, you're a huge baseball fan as well. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? Yeah, I mean, there there can't be cheating. I mean, any sport has to protect the integrity of its game, and if they don't have that, really, they lose everything. So, uh, for me, this is just more of the same. Baseball, there's always been cheating in baseball, whether it be putting pine. 
the pitcher using some pine tar or, or something on his hands or something slick on his hands uh, or stealing signs from second base. Or, or injecting it, something into their body to make them hit home runs. Was, yeah, I mean, everybody's always looking for the neck, for the next, uh, the edge. leg up. Yeah, something, an edge, exactly. And now technology is allowing them to do even more than that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, this is, I'm surprised by the punishment because it's so, it was so severe, a year suspension for the GM and the manager. We've never seen that before. Also, the Astros lost their first and second round picks in the drafts for the next year and the year after. That's huge. Uh, it's it's a huge hit for the organization. And then the team fired these two guys, which potentially there's like a big scarlet letter on them now. They may not work, at least at these levels, again, in baseball. Uh, and they're, they were at the top of their game. I mean, this is these are one of the top GMs and top managers in baseball. So huge punishment. And I think baseball, as Steve said, they're sending a message. We're not going to tolerate this. And they're telling their people, their managers and their, and their general managers, if you do this, your career may be over. Decide if it's worth it before you do. Yeah, but Steve, it's my understanding that the manager tried to smash the monitors. He was not in support of this. The players were doing a lot of this on their own, but I don't hear any players being held accountable for it. Yeah, that's what's interesting. So A.J. Hinch is the manager of the Astros that was fired. He was, used to be the manager here with the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is kind of an interesting local tie. He is widely considered one of the best managers in baseball. This is like if Bill Belichick got canned from the Patriots. That's essentially what this if is like. cheating, he hasn't gotten canned. But, right, which uh, is an dot, interesting tie-in. Um, but yeah, A.J. Hinch, reportedly the investigation found that this was created by Alex Cora, who was the assistant coach, basically, and that A.J. Hinch didn't necessarily agree with it, smashed a couple of monitors in the process, but didn't go far enough to end this it's, practice. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is even more than that. It was a player-driven practice. I mean, this wasn't set up by the team. This wasn't set up by the manager. The players did all this, and Hinch tried to stop it. I guess he didn't do enough. And, and i got to tell you something. Once he knows it's there... It's on him. And I think that that's why there was such a severe punishment for him, Barry, is because they're supposed to be the adults in the room, right? The front office, the coaches, the GM, they're the adults to manage the culture of a team, and they didn't do a good job for it. But something else that you talked about, Barry, that I find interesting is you talked about the integrity of the game, right? And I know that there are folks out there that go, ah, hello, Baseball, people have been trying to steal signs since the dawn of time and that there is cheating in all sports. You can call it cheating or you can call it trying to get an edge. But there still is the integrity of the game. If we cannot trust the integrity of the game, why watch? Why not just call it the WWE? I know that they're they're acting and they're playing and that's not real. What? Yeah. Sorry, Steve. Just kidding. Sorry yeah. about that. But that's that's exactly why it's important, and it's important for every sport because if they don't have that, if you, if, I mean, WWE is obviously different, but in basketball, baseball, football, if you don't have that integrity, if you don't, if the if we as fans don't believe that the game is being won and lost on the field with player talent, we're going to lose interest pretty fast. Okay, so yeah, let's ask you about that on our open mic line. Is cheating in sports, whether it be in football, baseball, hockey, whatever it may be? Is that par for the course or is this an anomaly and should be met with swift punishment? Give us a call on that open mic line, 602-200-2733, 602-200-2733. That open mic line is brought to you by Carol Royce with Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. You know what? Um going to switch gears here a little bit, talk politics, because at first the debate was over witnesses, right? But now Republicans in the Senate are talking about whether or not the impeachment trial should happen at 
all what is going on, Barry and I will help break it down for you here in just a few moments on KTIR.